Hey guys, welcome to the Better Building Systems Podcast. I'm your host, Clayton Fair, and here with me today is Nick Taliska, Jim DePasquale, and Mark Sankey. In today's podcast, we will be discussing the value in having a full range of knowledge from the 30,000 foot to the three foot view. So um, this podcast is appropriately titled Getting Small. And I think for the, you know, for the sake of the podcast, small does not refer to the size of your data set. Rather, we are trying to call attention to the difference between the 30,000 foot view and the details that make up that perspective. So kind of the all encompassing importance of an understanding really, you know, down to the, the very fine details. So, um, you know, you know, as we're talking about, it's, it's the, it's the understanding of the details. You, you know, when you can look at something from the high level, I don't want to say it's easy, but it's, it's a little bit easier than knowing the nitty gritty details for whatever you're talking about, if it's a system or a process or, you know, what have you. So I don't know, the phrase that I think we like for this podcast is, you know, being able to go from the boiler room to the boardroom. So uh, with that, I kind of I'll let you guys chime in to get this podcast rolling. Well, yeah, and I think there's a lot of different ways uh, we can go with this, but it's like you said. I mean, the, uh, the being able to have that continuity between what is the big picture, whether it's you're selling or you're trying to engage a team around, and being able to bring that back to, you know, here are the things that we need to do and that need to happen. In order for the big picture to happen and you know we're talking about the, the physical aspects of it and the technical and the engineering and the financial part of it and that you know it doesn't mean that every you know one single person is going to know this on big complex projects but you know there the team has to act as a kind of i don't know some sort of unity to be able to deliver these messages to the appropriate parties you know and be delivering it in terms that they understand and the language they speak. I don't know if that helps clarify it, but. Well, so Nick, I'm going to, I'm going to jump in and say in that context where there is a team involved and we've talked about this before in being prepared and uh, it is absolutely essential that everything from the boiler room, whether it's your auditors, whether it's the technicians, to the financial analysts, uh, estimates and calculations for cost avoidance be complete, thorough, checked and accurate because as soon as there's a disconnect or a weak spot, that can lead to the downfall of, of the collapse of the, the whole data set. So, so like you guys are kind of gearing the conversation towards like um, large project and you need to be able to segment the required tasks for them. You know, you, you somebody or a team needs to understand what has to happen to get to the, the end goal, kind of, right? Well, not just for large projects, but even a small any project. project yeah. I mean, any project, yeah. I mean, the data set, but, it, you know, obviously as the projects get larger, the complexity of the tasks get larger. It's more than one person or two persons or maybe, you know, 10 persons can handle, but there has to be an intrinsic knowledge that the accuracy, completeness, and veracity of all the work is 100% from start to finish, from the boiler room to the boardroom. That makes sense to me. Like, I, the first thing that comes to my mind then is, you know, your uh, your Microsoft project chart, right? 
you got to be able to make that and understand what is all, you know, encompassing in it to whatever, make your plan kind of in a way. I don't know. That was the first thing that came to my mind when we're talking about this aspect of getting small. I mean, I, I look at it even from, you know, looking at large scale energy audits or energy plans, how well the fundamental data is collected and the initial analysis is done. I mean, that tells you everything. If it's a, you know, I call it wet thumb collection where you lick your thumb, hold it in the wind. I think it's blowing that way. This looks like it's about that big. And then I have a good friend who was a retired Navy captain that uh, I heard him during an engineer interview tell an engineer that he should rename his company to White Cane Engineering. <laughs> I mean, that was pretty bad. Uh, and I'm okay with that. Because obviously you have to go back and it has to be right from start to finish, right? So are we focusing also on like an individual, you could say, that understands everything. If I don't know what everything is, but you know, somebody that can look at whatever's going on and understand, yeah, this is, this is what's required or they know the details of it, the science behind it, kind of stuff like that too. Yeah, I think that it goes back to, I think, something I've said on previous podcasts where as engineers, you know, we have to know a lot about a lot, right? Like some some disciplines, um, you know, they could be specialized in one specific area and they could go miles and miles deep into one specific thing. But in HVAC and associated controls engineering um, and energy engineering, you have to understand with a considerable level of depth, how all of these different devices and equipment work to your point, um, you know, to get that full. So I guess, yeah, to your point, like that would be getting small and understanding like deeper aspects of individual piece devices and equipment while helping you form the big picture. Like if you, you're not, just looking at something as just a chiller anymore. If you're looking, getting small and looking deeper at it and understanding the inner workings of it, the different compressor types and refrigerants and different controls, control strategies, perhaps, um, you know, that, that all goes a long way in, in seeing that big picture. Um, and I guess to go back previously, what Mark was saying, you know, something that jumped out to me on a preview, you know, couple previous jobs specifically um, one where I was analyzing a lot of um, data from steam meters um, from a, a district energy system and you know I see myself I'm, and on the big picture I'm doing I'm looking at this whole campus-wide district steam system with almost a hundred buildings on it and you know, I'm doing all these advanced precise calculations, but now I have to get small. And like, as Mark was saying, how good is my steam meter data? Like that should be the first thing I should be looking at because if I'm putting all this effort in, into the big picture and my steam data is off, mm -hmm. it's going to throw everything off. So, Right. That's a great point too. To Mark as well. Those are all, I mean, so interesting. And I guess maybe my thought when thinking about this initially was from the perspective of a company presenting large project proposal 
to client, right? Or client committee or group or decision makers. And it's, it's you know, obviously all about the, the, the objectives, the big picture results and everything, but then are not re really able to, well, I guess, I guess the, the impressive ones I, I've been a part of and seen are able to go on that, that whole tour, right? High level, you know, big picture down to small details, component levels, if needed about, you know, various, you know, analysis that went into it. In my experience, sometimes has been, you know, big, big projects. Let's look at the savings calculations. And if we go and set our post conditions to be equal to our preconditions in the savings, and some of these are complicated savings models, things like that. But if we set, you know, our post conditions equal to our preconditions, shouldn't we get zero savings? You know, that sort of thing. And looking at it that way and saying, you guys, you know, can't even defend the first volley that comes back to you about where do your savings come from? We're all, we got so disconnected along this way because it might've been 12 or 18 months to develop this project that your, your big picture results can't be traced back one step to how did we get there? And then go back even further. Like what kind of confidence does it give you in everything else? Talking about what Jim was saying down to those little details that supposedly built up to this big picture. Like it. Nick, that, that is absolutely correct. And I've been involved in a lot of large scale presentations, you know, both sides, you know, as the owner's rep sitting on the side of, you know, we're evaluating projects and then as, uh, you know, the project developer side and the silver bullet question, I mean, in my mind and, and in my experience is always, how do you know? I mean, you know, the uninitiated, how do you know that this is the way this works or this operates or this? And the only answer that carries any water in my page, in my book is, you know, the team that says, we saw it, we heard it, we measured it, and we have the documentation to back it up. Oh, what a great, succinct answer. Yeah, and, and the most unimpressive teams or, or people, in my opinion, have been the ones that will hide behind the black box of, well, it's a proprietary model or whatever, or, you know, can't do that, what we used to call back of the envelope type of calculations. And I'm a firm believer that, I mean, all of these energy savings performance contracts should have a requirement in their proposals that, you know, the calculation part, the savings part, you know, give me some one-line calculations, you know, simplified to show me you're in the ballpark. Right. You know, because, you know, I can understand, you know, variance and everything. You're not going to be right on with your, you know, full simulation of 8,760 hours a year, mm -hmm. typical 30-year weather date or whatever. But just show me that this makes sense. <laughs> just the ability so, to put some sensibility into uh, I, where I you're going. To, I mean, chiming in again, Nick, 100% right. And... I've been involved as support for several legal actions where failure or absence of simple reviews, checks of data, four-function math have resulted in six- and seven-figure checks being written as a result of literally 15 seconds on a five-by-seven notepad. It's, <laughs> I mean... That's impressive. Yep. Well, but, but it's reality because... Exactly what you said. Well, our model shows this 
blah, blah, blah. Well, if the numbers that you entered into the model are mm -hmm. physically impossible or the equipment that you said was retrofitted doesn't exist, then I've been there, seen it, done it, photographed it. How can we be <laughs> obtaining the cost avoidance? And it's that simple sometimes. So I guess that's one aspect, the accountability of, you know, how did we get from where we were to where we want to go? Yeah. And you can break down all the little into, you know, little parts and pieces and understand why you did this, where it came from and its value into, you know, where you're going. I think too, that, you know, there are many times that people set out on, on a mission to determine the best solution. And there might, might be pick a number, 12 options, and they develop a team, we'll do simulations of these 12 options. But if you do the back of the napkin calculations up front, you find out that, and you have any sensibility at all about what the retrofit cost might be. And I'm not talking about, you know, weeks of estimates. I'm talking about two hours. Right. You can immediately eliminate seven of the 12. And when you go further, you can say, well, these are, will yield relatively low avoidance or uh, marginal avoidance and narrow it down to, okay, we'll do three simulations. And those back of the nap napkin calculations up front are a huge uh, waste eliminator in, in addition to sensibility check. Yeah, I mean, well Mark, I think, yeah, it, it goes with experience, right? I think having a lot of experience might help you understand, you know, if I use the example of maybe choosing uh, the type of HVAC system you want to use, um, maybe with experience, you look at a building, its orientation, the amount of glazing, and you're like, wow, you know what? There's going to be some simultaneous heating and cooling. I want to see if heat recovery works with heat pumps, um, but I also want to see how that compares to maybe a system with perhaps a lower first cost, more simple, that doesn't have that. And it doesn't take too much to really, I mean, if you're already running your load calculations on the building, um, you know, with that experience, you could eliminate a lot of other options that would obviously not make any economic sense, you know, for the project. So... That's yeah, I a think example. Yeah, I mean, experience definitely plays a big role into it because, like, you know, coming out of college, I don't know. You can think about uh, even like equipment efficiencies and stuff like that. Like, you don't have a good gauge for that, and I know that's kind of as part of the small, you know, the smaller aspect of getting small. But you know, where'd your where'd your avoidance calculation come from? Well, I used, I don't know, point two kW per ton for this chiller and you know you might say well it's kind of lower than it should be and that's why your avoidance is so high and everyone is happy but it's not reality or whatever you know what I mean so I don't know I think that the experience comes plays a big part in that though because you can quickly look and understand oh, that, that either that makes sense or that doesn't make any sense based off of some of these very basic uh, values yeah, that you're a, using a building that's projecting a 400 ton chilled water load do I do water cooled or air cooled you know like a lot of that you know it helps to well actually that's kind of like on the more cut off but like if you go to like you know I have a 2000 ton chilled water load 
with experience, depending on the building type, you're probably not going to even consider air cool, depending on where you are. You're probably going to know right. your, your right. water cooled is going to make sense. Yep. That. Yep. Yep. Or even going to like your load calculation. Oh, that doesn't make sense. This building should be this much compared to, you know, whatever we're calculating. And obviously that's going to make a huge difference because then you're going to oversize it, whatever, you know, just cascades from there. So sensibility is a huge factor in this. I'm gathering just, you know, obviously from our conversation. Um, and I think a lot of that does come with experience. Jim's comment made me kind of think of even the, like the physical aspect of, you know, a big project or a small project and, you know, I don't know if it's that predominant, but it seems to be, you know, most people are attracted to the big complex projects of, you know, hey, a new, you know, central chilled water plant that's using, you know, thermal energy storage and all these advanced technologies, you know, and that, that centralized type of efficiencies that you can get. But then there's also, you know, a lot of merit sometimes saying, well, maybe that's not what is needed here. Mm-hmm. Maybe more of a distributed system, or maybe this is the real issue over here. And if we just address this particular building or something, you don't need to upgrade your whole central plant necessarily. I mean, maybe, you know, then an extreme there, but. I agree, Nick, definitely. Or even just saying, do we, is our existing system maintained properly at all? And what small things can we do to make this function much better rather than That's saying a, you know clean it may be a good example of getting small right you have this, this nice. large central plant but let's just focus on the the strainers right you know how is that no or my favorite steam trap maintenance yeah, steam yeah. tramps doing on that giant district steam plant you have exactly. you know you want to get big and do all these all-encompassing energy calculations and modeling right and if you just focus on that little steam trap like i see it in every facility i go not every facility but yeah you guys see the same thing steam traps that's getting small it's getting small while having a very big effect on the overall energy consumption well sometimes that's great examples because sometimes with the steam traps i mean sometimes getting small leads you to dark dirty places (laughs) nobody else wants to go right 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 I think it even beyond that, it leads you into, you know, where you have the difference between dark and light. We were in, on a project a few years ago where a big uh, medical complex and in a large central steam plant and returning, according to them, uh, they do steam trap maintenance, et cetera. It's, you know, all that, everything's well maintained, but they were only returning about 40% of their condensate. And, you know, okay, how much goes to sterilizers? And they had metered that. And doing a drive-by, I mean, you can see, you know, the steam coming from the flash tanks, the steam coming from the from everywhere out the building. So I'm having a conversation with the VP of uh, facilities, and he informs me that much of their condensate piping was installed when the building was constructed, is therefore under the slab, and there's a giant lake underneath the... Uh, boiler room where all this condensate is going to like okay <laughs> and i didn't know whether he was joking he was absolutely dead serious that you know that lake has been growing for years and uh i said well have you you know done any 
you know, boring to assume whether it's going to affect the structural integrity of the hospital. Not yet, but we're, we're going to. I said, okay. Um, why isn't the boiler room floor 180 degrees? Well, it must be down there a ways. Okay. <laughs> I mean. It's the center of the earth. It was, yeah. Yeah. How do you refute that, though? I mean, the the data doesn't support it. And, you know, when you have it, uh, you know, buy it at that level, that this is equivalent in my mind to the flat earthers, right? Uh, I don't know. Anyway, that's just a little slow. I, I think it goes back to those questions you asked a few minutes ago. Did you see it? You know, did no. you measure it? Did you sense it? Like, how do you know that it's... You know, this thing exists, this, this situation or whatever. That's exactly right. I have no data to support it, but that's the only explanation, except that our steam traps aren't working and we're constantly humidifying the city. <laughs> uh, I think technology uh, makes that a big difference, too, though, nowadays. You know, the, just the ability to transfer information and what have you, like, you don't see it a lot anymore. Like, physically see it and you can design or do or whatever which was probably an aspect of getting small too. you know, go look at it. I agree. Boots Whereas, on the you know, ground. Yeah. That's a boots on the ground make virtue. a big difference. Yeah. Boots I know. on the ground, handkerchief in pocket. <laughs> I agree. What else, what else is aspects of getting small? I mean, it sounds like we're just, we're, we're agreeing too much on this podcast. And I, I don't know. I mean, well, I think what other we questions have, we got it, you know? So, so I think this lesson comes from a group of entrepreneurs to a larger group where the message is more important because there's a thought process that there is no need to get small because we have tools that simulate, because we have, you know, models that calculate and, and the, requirement for doing all the homework is not as important in fact it's more important i mean if 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 jim or nick don't do homework and trust something that somebody gives them as fact there better be a high level of trust or you're putting in your reputation your business and your work product at risk 100 percent. can't agree more yeah, absolutely. They say the, the devil is in the details, but so are the angels, you know? That's right. And, and like in those big picture without the the backup details or understanding of, okay, let's pull this thing back. You know, the 30,000 foot view, right? Everybody yep. talks about like this is the, the, the primacy of perspective. No, it's just that. It's 30,000 foot. If you can't bring that back, you know, in all that area, that gray area, that's where the you know, bad logic is and the faulty calculations and the dubious assumptions and everything like that. So, you know, in a way the devil is in the details, but it's also an opportunity just to, I don't know, well, make it true and good. When I was taking flying lessons, the, the instructor was, you know, we were talking about something. He said, well, you know, flying at 4,000 feet is easy. It's really easy. You know, you're all visual flight, so on and so forth. But if your IFR and your altimeter is off by 100 feet, landing is going to be very difficult. And he's right. You know, doing the simple things like calibrating your altimeter before you take off, important. If you don't do it, well, 
you might be able to fly okay, but sooner or later you have to you'll run out of fuel. You need to land, and that's a whole different challenge. Oh, that just brings Thanks. me to instrumentation in general and HVAC and oh yeah, well it's sixty. It you know whatever we're reading this. I'm like, well yeah, is your instrumentation NIST? Is it calibrated? When was it last calibrated? Oh man, that just gives me oh. <laughs> or how about you know? just like I mean Jim alluded to it, the steam meter. You know, yeah, that example. You know, is there any reason for me to think that these numbers are correct? You know, and it's, oh. I mean, and you can get there. You can, you know, obviously do some, ooh, you know, back of the envelope calculations on steam load and things like that and try to ascertain if mm-hmm. these are off by a factor of 10 or 100 or wrong units are in there. So, yeah. Oh, that's important, right? Especially when you're, you know, talking about trying to prove economic feasibility yeah, based right. on energy savings and you're you're working on you know multi-million dollar projects with significant capital investment and you know you want to get small and make make sure those little meters are actually telling you or actually you know stating something accurate otherwise it's not going to be a good day the most Dangerous stuff in uh, energy savings performance contracts are those big pieces of information that are given to you by the customer, the site that you know you're not confident that are correct. But then you have to build everything based upon that, which is I think a foolish thing to do. But then you know, and then guarantee you know twenty years of savings off of it. Mm-hmm. We were on a project, the ESPC project, a few years ago, and uh, they put in a steam microturbine to replace a PRV, uh, sized it all up. And, you know, I was on the project in a different capacity at that point, and uh, I was kind of scratching my head, and I thought, well, you know, number one, the steam load's so small during the summer, it makes no sense. But, hey, whatever, you know, they're doing their thing. Well, then the thing's installed. They try and start it up in July turbine won't turn there's no steam flow not enough steam flow to flow it and i said well what'd you size this based on they gave me the number i said well that's the total annual consumption for the year not the monthly consumption well we got that data from the owner i said let's see it i said well what's the heading at the top of the column say annual consumption you got 10 years worth of data wow oh oh Oh, man i mean it's simple right Details right at the right at the top of the page. Yeah, that's just like painful though. And it's this is a this is a challenging in a way conversation for me because like um, a lot of it to me is like duh like you have to do this or you, like what I don't know. <laughs> to me, it's no, like all given stuff. Like you, yes, you need to check where your information came from. You need to do some sensibility checks on your calculations. You know, does this make sense? I mean, like all that to me is like so. I don't want to say it to like offend people, but like painfully obvious in a way. And obviously, I you know I was taught correctly, which makes a big difference as well. But I don't know. I think, like, I think the key is if you're not reminded of these things, you'll. I mean, I don't want to give every anybody the impression that we're all sitting here up on top of the mountain. No, and no, and you're absolutely correct. Here. We do these things too at times, but. Yep. It's almost like you need to keep them, especially the more you do this, the more things you see, and maybe the more bad examples you're exposed to, mm-hmm. 
you know, you got to go back to these things and say, it's like the, the old sharpening the saw thing, you know. No, I agree. Get back to the roots. So they are, you know, fundamental at some aspect, but a lot of pressures can put pressure on the fundamentals in life. So, well, and just yeah, and it, you know, I I go back to again like being in the field and instrumentation, calibration, and and where are you sensing from and all that stuff because you know, I don't know we. You could waste four guys and three hours trying to figure something out, and you realize your sensors calibrated wrong, and that was the issue the whole time, you know. Or days. I mean, you could go on to figure out why is this, you know, my discharge error not right. You could waste days trying to make adjustments where, oh, my sensor wasn't right. So, I mean, okay, an- another story. I, I have to tell this. It's just, it's too much. So we're starting up a pretty sensitive piece of laboratory equipment, supposed to communicate and control a bunch of stuff, irrelevant what it is. And, okay, we're going to get ready for startup. We bring in, I don't know, there were five guys there, right? So I'm on a job at 6.30. They show up at 7, and they're looking at the control panel, and the master tech wizard is punching the keys on the control panel, and oh, geez, we're not communicating, and blah, 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 and the five of them are standing around, and one's on the phone, and blah, blah, blah. This goes on until lunchtime. Well, we're going to take lunch. Okay, come back after lunch, and same problem. I said, okay, let's let's think about this. Has anybody looked to see if this is connected? Wow, blah, 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 blah. I said, humor me, you know, get a screwdriver, let's open up the panel. There's the wires, oh. not, not connected to anything. Yep. And they're like, oh, I said, your money, not mine. I'm just a guy, passerby, basically. Passerby. That's simple. It's good Samaritan walking by. Yeah. <laughs> having problems. And the first yeah. rule in life is, is it plugged in? <laughs> is it plugged yeah, in? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Exactly. Well, yeah, but I guess it's a good, I mean, that's a perfect example because, and like Nick said, I mean, I don't mean to like talk about it like, duh, I do this all the time and I'm perfect because obviously I'm not. But you're right. You need the reminder because it happens to all of us where like, oh, did I check even I, I this you know grandiose assumption that it's wired already and it's perfect? Well, you got to check that too, especially if you're having issues. You know, that might be the first thing you check because let's start from the ground up and get really small into the details. And um, it makes a big difference, obviously. There's plenty of examples I, I can imagine that you could go through, Mark, saying we wasted how many hours and it was something just painfully stupid causing it that nobody got small enough to ask the question on i'm sure if we were being honest we could all give examples of how i could absolutely 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 six hours on this and the real problem was boom yep yeah and those are painful lessons to learn but yeah sometimes those are the only lessons worth learning i guess well as as long as it's a good lesson if it never happens again you know (laughs) so there you go I take I I chuck a lot of that up like well the next time I do that that's going to be the first thing I check or whatever you know what I mean so and and I think you know that our, one of our bullet points is that getting small is easy but I don't think it is I mean I think it's deliberate you need to you know first of all abandon all the parochial thoughts of here's what I, I've always done and ask somebody else that has a skill set that's different what do you think. Or take a look mm. at this. I mean, that's pretty simple. Doesn't take a lot of time. It just takes a little humility. Oh, I 
just absolutely want to let that, just want to let that hover there for a moment <laughs> i agree guys <laughs> i want to i want to jump right to there are some fundamental components of getting small you ready nick you ready nick well, I think we can all contribute to this, but you know we, we can. We, but I'm interested in hearing, you know, what everybody thinks about this. Well, sure. I mean, you know, some of these things we we've talked about in previous episodes too. I mean, pay attention to detail. That's a great one. I want to boil it down to like the Ten Commandments of getting small. Slow down. Ooh, that's I like my that. first one. Slow yeah, down. That's a good one. Because, you know, how many times you just go, 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 go. We got to, you know, you know what the end is and you want to get there. You, Whatever you're doing, if it's calculations, data gathering, anything, just sometimes you can save so much more time by slowing down. <laughs> Take a breath. Think about it. That used to be like the advertisement for the National Transportation Safety Board during the Jimmy Carter era. Speed kills. <laughs> it does. That that would be my, my um, addition to this. Uh, podcast for that there's one of my 10 commandments slow down, mm, slow down. Okay. that's good that's i good. mean I, it happens to me you know you get going and you just go 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 and sometimes just slow down take a breath why am i doing about, this uh, take accountability or something yeah you know, that's another good one whether your piece is you know a small thread and a huge fabric of a project but can you confidently explain your analysis or your contribution from the top down and then back up again from here's here's what I started with and here's where this information came from to here's what was done with it and then here are the results. So I I, I guess that is take accountability for uh, and you know that goes along with well well yeah no I know the the results are questionable but I got this information from so and so you know and ran with it. And didn't even think about it. Yeah. Or, or that makes me think about, Nick, like, you know, when you do a spreadsheet for any kind of calculation and you, you need to be able to know, here's all my inputs, right? Whatever you got, your, maybe you call it like an intermediate calculations and then your output. And sometimes you build a spreadsheet or people build a spreadsheet and they lose track of where all of that goes into, right? And you, you got to be able to like look at your calculations and say, this is... Like you said, this is where it came from. This is why I did it. This is what was, you know, in the middle and then at the end. But that, I think of Excel when you say that. Like, I got to be able to go back through my Excel sheet and understand exactly why I did it, where the data is, where why where it's coming from, and all that. I like that. I don't know if that would be a, like a documentation or a transparency, but you also made me think about, you know, building your, if it's an Excel workbook, so that somebody else can pick it up and have exactly. a reasonable chance yes. of figuring out what you did with it. Yep. Which and I think is a great exercise to make sure what you're doing is makes sense and is correct too. Because sometimes you just, especially in Excel, it's really easy to, you know, do yep. your calculations and assume that that calculation is correct because it's referencing the right cell and whatever, whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? So... Or even think that you're going to remember what you did a year from now when you have to pick this up and explain it to somebody else. Well, right. Yeah. I mean, that happens to me too, plenty of times. Or I'm like, wow, where, where, why, why did I do this? Or where did this number come from? You know? So. So I've been attributing it to age, but more and more I use the comments in Excel, you know, the notes that you can yeah. just put in the corner. Mm -hmm. And 
note to self, this is blah, blah, blah. Well, it's exactly what Nick said. Come back to it in a year and see if you can remember what you did. It's, I mean, like so, when we, when we were in college, not to cut you off, Mark, like no, well, sorry. we had a professor, you know, we do our engineering calculations and these are all prescribed calculations, you know, with obviously completely known outputs. Um, but you literally like segmented inputs, intermediate calculations, outputs, and it, you like copy and pasted in text the formula and what you're referencing to and like you named your values like this is discharge air temperature not cell c7 you know you reference to discharge air temperature or return air temperature and um i mean it's after college obviously that's not like the way you generally do it but it was a very it fits to this conversation i think because oh what is cell c7 you know well if you name the cell C7 district air temperature, you know you're referring to that, and that's where that is in the calculation and all that stuff. Because you know how many times you look at a spreadsheet and a calculation, and you're like, B3 minus E4 times D7 divided by C32, and you're like, well, now i got to go to all these and figure out what this is and why I'm doing it. So I don't know. <laughs> that was my uh, It's thought. an excellent thing to be taught in high school or college or anything and uh, continuously refreshed. Yeah, I think that helps a lot. That's part of getting small. Obviously, to Mark's point and Nick's point. There's nothing 100%. like clicking into the Excel formula line and just seeing lines and lines of dollar yeah. signs and all these yeah. Yeah. functions pointing to a different tab or different work. Yep. It's like, yeah. Yep. It's, but so doing the notes and like, I don't know, I don't often give cells names anymore, like, you know, discharge whatever but it it helps obviously so you can go back in here and say oh yeah that's that's why i did this or that's what that value is and so on and so forth so yeah i think spreadsheet uh documentation is very undervalued and no matter what program you're using but you know a big part of it is error checking too is your analysis built in any way so that you know errors are kind of easily flagged and if you need correction can they easily be done or does it require you know a herculean effort and if that's the case, then it may not be, you know, necessarily the best analysis. I like it. What commandment are we on? Number four I, or five? I think we're on three, two or oh. three, or, three or four. Okay. Next. <laughs> slow command. down. Or, or so our commandments yep. are slow down. Um, and then what did this Excel spreadsheet one? What was that commandment actually? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not writing this down. Transparency. Transparency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Transparency. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So we accountability so we'll say we're on four now okay so i'm going back to my ninth grade geometry teacher mr stapleton don't assume no assumptions so if it's an assumption you know that's the equivalent of legal hearsay Uh, somebody told me therefore i use this as an assumption you have to know that it's true so unless it's data or calculations given from somebody that you know is a trusted partner on the team and has a track record of um, telling the truth and you know uh, confining themselves to the same level of of um, veracity in their data as we all ascribe to don't use it it's Damn just it. an assumption i made an Never. assumption yesterday too all by myself oh yep so was it yep. was it a good, good assumption you. or a bad assumption probably based off uh, probably a bad assumption <laughs> do i need to know about it 
<laughs> no, no, well, no. It's it's all good, but yeah, just saying, it's true. It happens to all of us. I did it. I did it myself. Made an assumption. Well, I, I'm going to rephrase that to be make a minimum of assumptions. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. you have to make assumptions. Well, but they yeah. should be well documented assumptions. Yeah. Right. Or like Mark said, that the where your assumption is based from, what data is it? Um, you know, historically correct <laughs> because. Sometimes it's not, and you should never assume then. Rules to live yeah. by. So, I mean, that's don't use assumptions. I mean, the corollary is don't use unverified sources. Yeah. Assumptions that yeah, kill you, cool. man. I've done that too many times, and I probably still will. You know, it's just a continuous reminder. You got to keep reminding yourself. Just yeah, is this back true? To the, the steam Can't assume it. Issue I was talking about. Yep. Yep. So I, oh, you guys ahead. have all dealt with salespeople of different kinds, right? So what's the you know the best line from a salesperson? Trust me, and I just always respond: I trust nobody, nobody. Yeah. Yep. Not I agree. even myself sometimes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so we got like five commandments now. Would we have any more to add to this? Oh, uh, what was the fifth one? Don't assume. I would say, or is that the fourth one? That was the fourth one. <laughs> so I, I think one needs to be be humble. Um, oh, like and when I say be humble, I, I don't mean it in the you know sense of you know wearing sackcloth and ashes. I mean it in the sense of don't be afraid to ask. Um, and and the more you ask, the more you learn in general. Ooh, Find I was somebody. Go ahead. I was gonna say be humble, as in like said, you know, I may say, this is the way to do it. This is the best way. And I have my plan. And then somebody else, you know, maybe it's the electrician or the pipe fitter or whatever may say, well, what about this? You know, humble enough to say, that might be a better idea. Let's try that. Or let's think about that more instead of saying, nope, my way or the highway. That's, that's, that was my interpretation of be humble. My interpretation was be humble because you make mistakes too, you know, like kind of speaking yeah. to yourself. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Hmm. You know, how many times have I said, I, this is the plan, this will work. And then somebody else says, well, what about that? And I'm like, you know, it's a better idea. Let's go with that. You got to be able to do that to uh, be successful, I would say. <laughs> I agree. Part of being on a team. So be yeah. humble. Mark's been making all of these commandments. What? what Nick I'm Jim, trying what to keep track of what's already like. There's no list in front of me to look at. I know. <laughs> Come on, Nick. Well, I mean, what about the error checking? You know, the uh, that may have to do with having, you know, peer review. I mean, is that part of getting small? Is checking your work? Uh, yeah. Having somebody else check your work. Definitely. I think it is, and I, you know, I think that's a uh, adjunct or a, you know, a spinoff of be transparent. Listen, when somebody asks, well, "How did you get there?" If if the answer is it's all inside the magic black box, I can strap uh, one of these things on the fuel line of your car, and your mileage will go up twelve miles per gallon, or you can stick this on your electric meter, and your bills will go down fifteen percent. How? Just tell me how. Explain the math. You know, be transparent, I think, and asking somebody to check your work or opening, you know, here here is my methodology and here's my data set and here's my outputs. I think that's really important. And 
you know, uh, be transparent, be humble, check, have somebody else look at your work. Why not? Right. Well, and I think that mentality of like, let me be transparent and let me understand and, and document where my dad is coming from and why I'm doing it also helps prevent a lot of mistakes because you're being conscious of what, who, where and why and how and all that. You know what I mean? Yes. Bingo. Uh, what about checking that the big and small results kind of comport and make sense? I guess I'm thinking, uh, you know, for example, if you have a, a VFD project you're going to do, and you determine where you're going to save 20% off all the electricity that the V that the fans are using, but the fans only use 20% of the total energy. Okay. So, you know, you're I hate when that happens, 4% reduction or something, right? Yeah. But then the big picture proposal says we're going to reduce your electricity by 10%, you know? So you have a big picture result that cannot be backed up by the small picture all the small pictures that go into that. I think Mark's could do a story time, but I don't know if he's gonna or know what I'm talking about, but I've heard, maybe it's been in the podcast before, Mark, um, a boiler and, Oh, with the new, uh, new engineer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So it's been in the podcast before, but I hired an engineer, you know, brilliant guy, uh, young right out of school and we went to a project over in ohio they had four 250 horsepower ohio specials used them for process uh blah 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 and i said okay so basically a training exercise come back and tell me what we will do with these boilers to help them be more efficient knowing that they run you know they run them year round blah 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 we had the utility data all that good stuff so uh, a couple of days later, he came back. We're going to put a, a, a O2 trim on all these boilers, and we'll put stack dampers in. So when there's um, no, they're not firing. There won't be any convection loss. Good. How much will we save a year? He gave me the number. I said that's good, really good. I said that's more than their entire gas bill. So will the gas company be writing them a check? He was like, "What?" I said, "Yeah, we're, your savings calc says we're going to save more gas than they actually consume in a year." Oh, I must have made some bad assumptions. Well, there you go. And I don't know if this fellow's listening or who he is or whatever, and I don't mean to throw him under the bus for a conversation, but it's a good example, and it happens to you know probably a lot of young engineers, including myself. Um, but yeah, I thought that was a good example, Mark. <laughs> Had to be part of it. That was no, pretty that's a awesome, great example. Actually. I mean, it, it kind of speaks to the check your sources thing yeah. too, with using a, a nomograph from 1978 textbook on, you know, increasing O2 will result in this percent efficiency increase or something for your boiler. <laughs> Sorry, I'm cynical. That's a, no, that's that's right. That's exactly right. Okay, so we talked about do big and small results make sense? Agree? Yes. Uh, how about understand how changes in your inputs and your assumptions could impact the final results? Like a sensitivity analysis type of view that helps us get pretty small, I think. I think so, yeah. I would agree. Picture results and okay, what if our you know, natural gas rate increases over the next 10 years? What happens? Mm-hmm. I like okay. it. Okay, uh, we're up to <laughs> nine. Uh, check continuity continuously, right? We start at a problem state. 
We're trying to get to a solution state. And this is the number one reason, I think, why projects fail of any type, is there is discontinuity somewhere along the way that lost sight of, are we fixing the problem that we started with? And we end up yeah. with a solution that is very different or creates its own problems yeah. as, as spawn. There's some great philosophical, you know, stuff you're adding to this, Nick, I think. I find that life is very philosophical. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number 10, who's got the big wrap-up? I, I just... That's a commandment. Come on. <laughs> Jim? Uh, I would say be consistent, <laughs> meaning be consistent in your practices of <sighs> diligence, on, you know, be... be truthful that has operated with real data don't skip any steps um, push yourself to be disciplined in your uh, documentation and processes so that you don't lapse into the we'll go faster we'll take shortcuts we'll make assumptions so be consistent every time a consistent process gets consistent results that was a lot that was excellent did uh jack welch or Einstein saying. No, I just made that up, I guess. But it, but it's important. Be consistent. No, I, Einstein said, and it, again, this goes out to all the Eskos out there. If you can't explain it to a six-year-old, you don't know it well enough. <laughs> Special message. <laughs> well, uh, listen, I, I was I was in a legal proceeding where a guy sitting on the uh, stand was explaining that demand-controlled ventilation is when you turn off electric loads to reduce the demand uh, bill, the demand portion of the electric bill. <laughs> okay, so this is your understanding. So now we go ahead. And then in cross-examination, oh, well, yeah, it can mean that also. I'm like, okay, that's... <laughs> a good recovery yeah i think about that like you know when someone's like how's the heat pump work oh it's just a magic box you know well you gotta understand it a little <laughs> bit is. more than that well yeah but <laughs> it's the truth it's the truth <laughs> so um you know overall I, I guess this was a a more challenging conversation than i had expected um you know when to, when you think about getting small there's just so many aspects to it of you know your, your piece to the puzzle and do you get small from the project planning portion or the calculation portion, you know, the data gathering portion? Um, just, you know, we covered a lot in today's podcast about getting small and you can look at it from different aspects. Is it checking your work? Where, you know, where, like I said, where's your data coming from? Or just fully understanding what, why, you know, all of that. Um, but, but nonetheless, I hope as listeners, you guys agreed or took something away from this podcast and Again, like always, if you have anything to add, feel free to reach out. We'd love to hear your comments on this. Uh, with that being said, thank you, Mark, Nick, and Jim. And thank you to our listeners. I hope everybody has a great day. Bye.